This is the Jocko Underground Podcast number 30, sitting here with Echo Charles. Yes, sir. This is Jocko Willink talking. Starting off, we had a topic come up, a question submitted, but it's like a, a, a discussion topic more than an actual direct question. Are we raising soft kids in this day and age? Or is that something every generation says? You hear about this a lot, don't you? What is it? The thing is, strong men create good times. Good times creates weak men. Weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. And you get this circle going. Some truth to it, right? Definitely some truth to it. So are we raising soft kids? I think some kids are being raised soft. I think other kids are not. I think that there is definitely a a way that you could live in this day and age where you could be very soft as a human. You could eat foods that make you weak. You could do activities that make you weak. You could avoid activities that would make you strong and tough. You could avoid mental stressors that make you mentally tough. So I think maybe not necessarily are we raising purposely, but I think the environment is will have a larger tendency right now to make kids a little bit softer. So it's something we need to watch out for. That being said, there's all, I, you can never take away the fact that there's some freaking unbelievably tough kids. I'll tell you what, I go down to the when I go down to the dames right now to the dames, yeah. I'll meet young 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 frogmen. Mm-hmm. The freaking totally legit, a hundred percent legit, as legit as any frogman I've ever met in my life. Young, oh, what do you do? I'm a machine gunner, like straight up. They're ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So to sit here and throw. This is why we can't just throw the universal statement out right now. Oh, we're raising weaker kids. No, go meet a young. I've I meet young team guys. They're freaking legit. Yeah. And go meet a young marine. Legit. Go meet a young soldier. Legit. So to have this idea that we're just universally producing weak humans right now, I think it's not true. But. You can take a path at this juncture in life where you may end up soft if you're not careful. And you may raise soft kids if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think it is. Environmentally, the opportunity is there to raise weak kids, yeah. but it is, not a, it is not necessarily going to happen. And some kids today also, they're smarter. They're, I can tell you that going through SEAL training, the kids that go through SEAL training right now are in better shape than the kids that I went through SEAL training with. Because yeah. we didn't have any program, we didn't have any supplementation, <laughs> we didn't have any, we didn't know about recovery, we didn't know about working out, we didn't know anything. Yeah. We were just just knuckle draggers. Yeah. And these kids now, they're, they're working, they understand, they study. So from that perspective, the kids are better. Yeah. Yeah, and then you might ask, well, what about the attrition rate? Because the attrition rate stays the same, which is weird, right? So they do all these things. So I'm telling you right now, the kids, and this is not just my personal opinion. This is coming from guys that I know that work in basic SEAL training. 
they'll be like, oh yeah, the kids, the kids are in way better shape than we were. <laughs> so that's the fact. But still, the attrition rate, still 80%. Yeah. Why is that? Well, you gotta push yourself a little bit harder. Because mm. you're in a boat crew now, and everyone in the boat crew, the, the, the output is the same. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you took a car, if you if you and I raced and you and I both had cars that had whatever, uh, 200 horsepower engines, and we rolled them as hard as we could, that engine would be tired, yeah. right? It would be maxed out. And we only went, however fast we went, we only went 100 miles an hour. If we both had 700 horsepower engines, mm-hmm. we would both go use every bit of it. We might go faster, but we still make it just right. as tired. Yeah. So the, the, they're pushing themselves harder. And, and when you get to that push point, doesn't matter how many horsepower you have. When you go, a, a car can only hold that whatever, 90% of max capacity mm-hmm. for how long. And, and this is the thing, a SEAL, a guy going through SEAL training can only hold that max capacity for so long and then they quit. Yeah. So maybe it was 80, maybe you can hold 90% for a certain amount of time. Well, the person that makes it can hold 91. The person that can hold 89 quits. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many horsepower the engine is. Because yeah. there's some people that end up, the be- they, lo- they, they, they are the loser, they're the last place of every run. Yeah. The last place of every run. They're sometimes putting out even harder than the first place person. Yeah. yeah. But they're coming in last place. Sometimes the first place person's putting out the same amount as the last place person. They're both putting out 91%. Yeah. Just just over threshold, and they learn to get over that threshold. The person that's only putting out eighty nine, they just they, 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 someone's telling them, hey, you got to run ninety one percent. They don't do it. Yeah. They go eighty nine and they quit. They can't keep going. Yeah. So, got to watch out for that. Yeah, <laughs> and that's not to mention that the mental, um, essentially, the mental part of it. So you know how like you you can be, and this is the old thing too, where if you're a gifted athlete. Mm-hmm. And this is, this can go with like a, a highly trained athlete as well. You mm-hmm. well, you'd think anyway. It's all theory, obviously. But you get to a point where mentally you're like, you know, you just cross the threshold. It, it, it's essentially not worth it. Oh yeah, that's what it feels like <laughs> at the moment. It's not worth it. I quit. So yeah, you can be highly trained, supplementation. You can be all this stuff. But when you get in there and you're hit with that thing that pushes you over the mental threshold, mm-hmm. when it's not worth it, but. There, I can under, I could understand. I don't know how they do it or what exactly everything they do or whatever, but I could see that as being a non-factor for the for the, the trainers or whatever, being like, no, 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 we'll push them to this mental point. I don't care how gifted these guys are. Yeah. Like, you have to be mentally strong. Yep. No matter if you're a fast runner or a slow runner, fast swimmer or slow swimmer, it's easy to get to that point yep. as a trainer knowing you, you know what to do. Let's say that you and I are both in SEAL training class, yeah. and they go, okay, we're gonna do bear crawls, which is on your hands and feet, and you're wearing your twin eighty aluminum or twin eighty steel uh, scuba tanks. So this is just psycho, right? Now let's say you're let's say for this hypothetical situation, which we'll just we'll say that you're stronger than me, right? Just hypothetically, which is, I know is be hard for people to imagine this. So so you're stronger than me, and you can bear crawl with. Your twin 80s on your back, you can bear crawl for 100 yards. Mm-hmm. And I am weaker than you, and I can only bear crawl for 80 yards. Yeah. So guess how long they're going to make us bear crawl for? They're going to make me bear crawl 81 
They're gonna make you bear crawl 101. And there's 20 yards difference. And guess what? There's someone else that was capable of going, it doesn't matter, he could be capable of doing 110 yards, guess how much he did? 109. And he quit. And another guy was only capable of doing 62 yards, but he only did 61, he quit. Another guy was only capable of doing 40 yards, he did 41, he stayed in. He just was able to hang on long enough. Yep. Yeah. That um Can you just suck it up and just do a little bit more? Well, the mental part is like if you're not if you don't have a mental approach, and this is uh, again back to the my little theory. And you mm-hmm. know, you, you mention little stuff every once in a while where you're you'll say, Oh yeah, they'll do this thing well, they'll be like, Hey, we push you we push you guys a little bit too hard, so we're gonna allow you guys to rest. Like, yeah, this is a unique a situation. Yeah. And then it's a big lie. So, you know, get two hours of sleep or whatever. And then right when you like fall asleep after five minutes, like wake you up and do all this stuff like that mental, those mental things with all the physical stuff. Like some people are not ready for that. Like the, yeah. your brain is like, yep. it's weird like that. And you don't know. You don't and know. there's people that are incredible athletes that ring out all day long, yeah. all day long. That one that you say, um, you were JP. I think both of you guys say this where. They do a good job in making you feel like it'll just go on forever. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. they don't say, hey, one more evolution, one no. more rep, one more whatever. They're just like, nope, again. Like, yep. in, in feel, bro, with, with that feeling, that's like almost like a claustrophobic feeling. You know what you have to do? You have to accept death. Yeah. Like, like you have to accept that, oh, we're going to be doing this log PT for actually forever. Yeah. It's never going to stop. That's got to be your mentality going into it. If you have the mentality like, oh, I can, I can just make it a little bit longer. It's, it, yeah. This is going to end soon. No, you see me like it's never going to end because yeah. they will. They're looking at you. <laughs> they're looking at you like, oh, Willink's looking tired. Yeah. Looking like he might be at his breaking point. Yeah. Oh, uh, do it again. Yeah. Do it again. They would look at me. I'd just be like, what? Do it again? Yeah. Oh, cool. Right. Watch this. Doing it again. <laughs> yeah. Doing it again. Never show that little bit of weakness. So, so that um, makes sense. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. So I think, are we raising soft kids? I think this environment, you got to be careful. Otherwise, the kids have a tendency to be soft. Let's face it. If you're looking at your social media as a 14-year-old or you're playing a video game as a 14-year-old, whereas what you would have been doing 30 years ago would be hucking rocks at each other yeah. and sprinting around and hunting and just getting crazy, like that kid is gonna be, uh, have a little bit more than someone that's playing a video game or looking at social media. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the the whole, every generation says that. I think a big part of that is true. That is true, yeah. And, and of course that makes sense because the mo- as the generations move on, the environmental like problems, for lack of a better way of putting it, are become more and more solved. So like, yeah. you know, we the, the old school, you look at old school, like, stuff. You're like, bro, we have machines for that. We yeah. have apps for that. We have, like, little oh, yeah. gadgets to for solve sure. all those problems. Bro, never mind any of this. You press a button on this button, computer yeah. that you got in your pocket and food's showing up to your door in 30 minutes. Exactly right. Man, remember, like, there was, like. And, and what else do you need? Water. Uh, what, what do you need? Anything you need yep. is showing up to your door in an hour. Right. So, so yeah, that solves a lot of problems. A lot of them. You're not so, not out with a bow and arrow trying to shoot a deer. Nope. No, you get the deer. You can even get grass fed. Oh, beef for sure. Versus you can be like, no, I want the all natural. Yeah, one. yeah. You know, you like, can be like, no, I want my, you know, I want this cow to have been eating just grass, and I want him to be less than mm. twenty days, um, 
dead and I want him to have had uh you know a black yep. nose. Exactly right. And they're like, "Okay, cool. Yeah, we got you." Yeah, I want to know what his name was too because <laughs> that's important to me. The chicken's name was Colin. <laughs> Portlandia, you seen that? No. Oh man, that's a good one. Portlandia. Bro, remember manual transmission? Yeah. Stick shift or whatever. Bro, you never really see those anymore. I mean, on certain cool, you yeah, know, you don't see it very much like anymore. This, but generally speaking, yep. it's all automatic, man. See, and that's another thing. Because remember, you know, and this, I, I think, anyway, you know, when they made cars, they're like, hey, this is how the thing got to work, and you got to yep. manually kind of do it. And that slowly became kind of fun for, you know, for a lot of us. But from a practical problem solving standpoint, it's like, hey, we don't need all that. Let me just, I'll just bust, put out a, put a computer in there yep. to do it better than you can do it. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's when the transition happened is that now automatic transitions are generally faster than you can do as a human. Cause yeah. that didn't happen until maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. Mm. And now if you, it's, it's hard to buy a manual transmission because yeah. Even if you're a race car driver, it used to be, hey, I'm a performance driver. Oh yeah, well you better get a standard shift because you you want to be able to do it yeah. at, as you see fit. But now the computer's better. Isn't it interesting how that? Because the I mean the so the evolution of that goes manual transmission, then automatic, mm-hmm. and then after a while you're like, you know what? Don't you don't even have to learn to drive at all anymore. Well, that's what's coming. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what's here now. Actually, now you got Uber, you got other people driving for you, and then now you got the yeah, self-driving yeah, cars, the AI. Yeah, exactly that, right. That that Lex Friedman's <laughs> trying yeah. to get me to be scared of. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Lex. Hey man, it's not a, scared over here. Hey, it's all in play. It's all yeah. in play. So boom. So yeah, it's like you know how like let's face it on a kind of more on a social level, you'd be like, hey, um, the guy who doesn't know how to drive stick shift is like, yeah. ah, you're like soft, you're weak. Mm. It's kind of that, you know. But it's like, bro, you don't have to know how to do that kind of stuff. Someone's anymore. looking back at him like, oh. Well, When's the last time you went out and got your own meat in the woods? Yeah, <laughs> if you go back in generation, yeah. exactly right. And then in the future, people will be like, "What? You don't know how to drive? Oh, yeah. you're so soft. Yeah. Like I know how to drive a real car, like yeah. manually. You yeah. know, like without. You probably don't even know what blinkers are. I know, man. <laughs> it's like why you don't, you don't know how to drive the car but, without self drive? Yeah, oh, but, but but where your where your right is right now, the self driving cars are occasionally hitting them. Embankments and crashing into people like that's happening right now. Yeah, but it's not going to be very much longer where those things aren't going to happen, and it's yeah. going to be, be better. Who? Somebody? I think Leif. Leif. So Leif was totally, you know, anti auto driving cars. And I was like, bro, you know, over time, he's like, no way, no way. Right. And now, now he's sort of he's starting to see it. Get but it. occasionally, you know, he'll send me a message that you know. A Tesla just ran down three people and whatever. Yeah. yeah. And he'll be like, you see? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's weird is like computers are better at most things than people, mm. but sometimes it, it's almost like there's still this like empty spot of like control where a computer like yeah. kind of will fail where a, where a human could be successful in that yeah. little. So I, I think holding on to that makes yeah. sense. The full surrender of control is definitely a leap of faith, right? Yes. Because oh, yeah. let's here's and if you don't if you feel comfortable with it, think about this: you're going 80 miles an hour in a metal thing that could kill you and everyone around you. Yeah. And you want to let a machine do that? Like, see, you see yeah. what I'm saying? When I put yeah. it like that, it's a little more, a little bit more. You know. Yeah, but when you think about it, would you, you'd let a person do it. A person we let that, people do it all the time. You don't know. We let sixteen-year-old do it. 
16 year olds do that <laughs> brother okay so this is why because you can't talk to a computer you can't be paranoid of a computer and start asking it questions and then feel better about it you know like a person <laughs> you kind of can't like if yeah. you're like you see a pilot and he looks like oh this guy doesn't look like a good pilot i don't know what that would look like but i'm just saying if you had that feeling you could go up to him and be like so uh how long have you been doing this you could start asking him questions and then kind of leave there leave the conversation <laughs> thinking oh, i feel a little bit better about the whole thing it's like you have an element of control the computer you kind of don't you're like i don't know what's going on in those circuits the thing could literally just decide or malfunction or something like this and end my life right? at any moment like, so you, you have, have more trust in a random human yeah. than you do in a computer because i can relate to it weird, but that's kind of weird too yeah that is weird right. technically yeah it feels like it when you think about it like that yeah. i don't know all right so uh if you are a kid or you're raising kids man just try and just try and take the hard path sometimes let's do that yeah let's, let's do the hard path yeah it is weird and, and you could go deep into like all these little side effects of our problems being solved because there's a bunch or mm-hmm. there can be a bunch where good and bad, by the way, because like now we can create our own issue because we need problems. Now we can create our own problems. And if we're smart about creating smart problems like for ourselves, like, um, you know, like physical, there's like even like, you know, like go rock, for example. Yeah. Like think about what that is. That's a recreational rocking. Yeah, that's true. That's a functional thing. Yeah. Now just for recreation. See what I'm saying? And that's what weightlifting is yeah. like weightlifting. Um Running. Yeah, how, how many people were lifting weights in 1849? Bro, very little. You know, <laughs> how many people were recre- recreational rucking? No, because they were right. actually carrying wheat back from the farm. Yeah, you know, like oh, they yeah. had work to do. Freaking straight up mountain climbing. Yeah, or rock climbing. Sorry, yeah. rock climbing. Like think about that. It's like, oh yeah, of course. There's rock climbing places. You go to yeah. the with these rock climbing um, facilities. You know what I'm saying? It's like, bro, well, that's, it's all recreation. We're creating our own, like, recreational problems. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. To make us, like, at least yeah. feel good, you know? So we need those things. Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. Let's recreate fighting. Yeah. Let's recreate, um, you know. Combat. All, all this stuff. Boxing, MMA. Shoot. Mm-hmm. The realer, the better, I guess. Right. But yeah, that's how, you know, so, so, so do some of that hard stuff. Exactly right. Make so, it hard for yourself. So Make it hard for your kids. It's less about raising the soft kids. It's more about like, now we have to be a little bit more deliberate with what we're, how we're raising our kids because they have so many options. They, yep. if they have the option to be the softest, 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 softest yep. kid possible yep. and still live life and not die, you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can totally do that now. And then on the other side, if you want to raise the hardest, freaking smartest, freaking, genetically enhanced like all this person you can do that too Let's more that. now than ever let's I'll do tell that you, that. you can you can raise a kid if you said right now you're like hey i don't have any kids right now the genetic enhancement thing oh, yeah. i mean that's a little bit bro it's starting already you can yeah. you know it is starting you can say hey i want a boy i want 100 percent. i don't want any girls i want to raise a boy or a girl whatever yeah. you can choose now you can choose whatever boy girl you want right now yeah. you can choose oh what color eyes do i want this kid to have you can choose that kind of stuff now right now yes sir you can legally yeah. Yeah, it, the boy or is that like one? in China with I don't know. human okay. animal okay, hybrids? Okay. I'm pretty sure about the eye color stuff, Sir but Alex Jones. No, no, no. The boy, the boy you, girl. Yes, you can, you do. can choose that now. Yep. Yeah. So and the oh, they, eye color? they do all kinds of testing. Like, hey, this 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 fetus or whatever mm-hmm. is going to have an X percent <laughs> chance of having like this ailment or this type of ailment. Yeah. Oh, they'll do all that kind of stuff for you now. Oh yeah. So you have more options. Yeah. So I think a lot of times, yeah, you start raising kids or. Um, or whatever, like in a non-deliberate way or in a way that you maybe don't don't want to f- have them be hard 
oh yeah, you can do that kind of stuff. So I think that's where we're seeing more of. I think. Yep. I'm saying to sum up this before we talk about it anymore, which hopefully we won't. <laughs> yes, sir. Go do hard stuff. Make sure your kids are doing some hard stuff too. That's what I'm saying. Agree. Let's get some questions. First question: What is the single most? What is the single most difficult task, event, adversary, or overall challenge that you faced in your lifetime that you feel comfortable discussing? Of course. How did you manage to overcome it, and how did it fundamentally change you as a person? I've answered this question uh, a lot, and uh, it's just it's it's a real straightforward uh, losing guys in combat, and that's you know that's that's Mark and Mikey, and then when we got back, uh, we kept losing guys. So Ryan Ryan died um, after due to his wounds and and. Um, what happened in surgery and after surgery on one of his operations and then Chris got killed and that was just a freaking nightmare out of nowhere and and finally Seth ended up dying in a parachute accident and so those were those were definitely the the, the hardest things the hardest challenge and and you know when, when I think about that, I've lost a lot more friends than just them. Um, like a lot more. I've known a lot, a lot of seals that have died um, since September 11th. And I guess what what makes these guys stand out with me is that they were like, for lack of a better way of putting it, they were my guys. Like we were in Tasking to Bruiser together, and even when even when Tasking at Bruiser was no more and didn't exist anymore, and I wasn't the commander of Tasking at Bruiser. They were still my guys, and so that—that's um, why I think it was. It's it always you know hit me hit me hard, and they were all of them awesome guys, and so that's that's the answer to that question. How do I manage to overcome it? Um, when in, when I was in combat, I just worked, and we went back to work. And I think another thing that helped out was I always was sort of the eulogy guy and would write the eulogies. And so now you're kind of capturing your thoughts and memories and what, who these people were and what they meant to me and what they meant to us. And I think that's a very therapeutic thing to do. And I've talked about the fact that, you know, if you, if you lose someone, you, one of the things you can do to help overcome that is write him a letter uh, and then I think the thing that I continue continued to do was just to continue to share their stories talk to their friends talk to their families talk amongst each other and tell the stories so that we continue to process the loss and then the last thing is how did it fundamentally change you as a person? Well, I, I think more than anything, I just the the loss of my friends has taught me to really and truly appreciate life and the opportunities that we have in every single day. So, that's that. Yes, sir. Next question. <clears throat> Hi Jocko, your insight into the mind of a frogman 
is of particular interest. My wife's father is a Green Beret, and since the Q course, hasn't been the same man he was before. They have an estranged relationship due to his tendency to abandon her in many ways. She tried to make him dead to her, but always a daughter wants her dead. And the fact, and the fact that she doesn't have him has poisoned her mind. Okay. Life is short, and I see no reason for, the, for this almost 20-year situation to continue. I believe unless I act, this situation will continue until the end. I want to confront his, him respectfully and explain the situation. It may be his only chance at having a relationship with her before he dies. It seemed he'd be fine dying not knowing a thing about his daughter's life. I seek counsel from you to best understand how to approach this man, as it may be the only shot at repairing their family. I also understand if done incorrectly... It may damage things for good or worse. Put me in the crosshairs. So first of all, there's, there's some questions about the full dynamic of the situation here. You know, he's talking about abandonment. He's talking about estranged. He's talking about poisoned mind. Like those are a lot of things that it kind of calls for a little bit more clarity about Mm -hmm. to make a decision about, okay, how do we do this? Um, but but generally speaking, in a situation like this, what I'm going to do is try and build a relationship with the dad, build trust, and then start having question, uh, having conversations and asking earnest questions to get things moving in the right direction. So that's kind of a general plan, but it sounds like, uh, do, are you even in a position where you can try and build a relationship with this individual? Uh, I don't know. So here's So that's one approach. Again, depending on the specifics of the scenario, one approach is, hey, reach out, try and build a relationship, just try and see where he's at, see if this is something he's open to. If he's not, then we have to kind of back away from it. If it's something that he's interested in, maybe you move it forward. And you do that by building a relationship, not by confronting, use the word confront. It's probably not a great way to do it. It's more about building relationships, understanding whatever it is that he went through. I don't know. This is kind of one of the, he went through the Q course. Like, when is that? Is, he, is this guy, it says before he dies, is this guy like a Vietnam vet? Where, you know, where is he at in life? Or what is, is, what is a Q course? It's the, it's the qualification course to be a Green Beret. Oh, okay. So, you know, and this, that's weird too. Like, since the Q course, like you went through the Q course and like you got traumatized by the Q course, came out different, right? Mm. Who knows? Yeah. I, that's not, to me, that sounds a little bit far-fetched. I mean, unless he's going through the Q course and happens to meet some other woman, you know, while he's during the Q course, and all of a sudden he doesn't want this relationship that he's in, and well, there you go. So, so one approach, you know, build a relationship, build trust, and try and get things moving in the right direction. Here's another approach. Your, your wife, and this is, this is the hard, hard, very difficult, is forgiveness and your wife saying hey dad I don't know what happened but you know what I forgive you I'm not and which even that is a little bit accusatory right because when I say I forgive you that means they did something wrong yeah, yeah. so it's almost like you have to silently forgive yeah, yeah. and just kind of say hey dad just you know was reaching out I know we haven't talked in a while and uh, just want to tell you what's going on in my life mm-hmm. so you you forgive not verbally because then that can be almost accusatory of saying if if I just talked to you, Echo, and I said I forgive you, Echo, yeah, yeah. that's implying that you did something wrong. That I that you need now forgiveness. Yeah. So it's a silent forgiveness. It's a mental forgiveness, and then it's a opening up a conversation that she starts because she's the only one that can control that. 
right? We can't ask him to all of a sudden forgive her for whatever perceived wrongs he thinks. We can't do that because we can't ask him to, to, to forgive her. It doesn't work. Yeah. We have to take it upon ourselves to say, you know what? I'm going to move past this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to move past this and I'm going to start again and I'm going to start fresh with a positive attitude. And so maybe she reaches out and says, Hey dad, Hey, I know, I know we we weren't around each other a bunch when I was growing up. Just wanted to tell you this is what I've been doing in my life. Um, Hope everything is cool. I just, just wanted to, you know, just, just wanted to let you know what was happening Mm. and not ask for anything in return because we're not. Once you're asking for somebody in return or you're saying something because you expect something in return, that's generally putting the whole situation at risk. So it's best just to be one-sided and that's your side and you give and you forgive Mm -hmm. and you offer and you don't expect anything in return. Um, And here's the other last thing I'm gonna warn you of. So that's like kind of method two. Last thing I gotta warn, warn you about is this person might be a bad person. This person might be a bad person. And if that's what the case is, this guy is just a bad person, well then, what your wife needs to do is sort of accept it and not take it personally and just move on. Like, oh yeah, the guy was kind of an asshole. And, you know, he found some other life that he wanted to move on and that's what he did and so, cool. You know, got it. And and she needs to kind of say, okay, well that's that's cool, That that's what happened, I get it. Not maybe it's not cool, but I understand it, and now I'm going to move on. Yeah. So what you'll notice what m- the second two are all on her, yeah. right? On her saying, "Oh, you know what? The guy was kind of an asshole," and and moving on. And and what's crazy is like there's people that come from parents that are just horrible, like oh, abusive yeah. and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Um, and they eventually say, "Oh, you know what? That's." They faced their own struggles. I mean, it was that was a crazy uh, episode when we had Harley on, yeah. and Harley was talking about his dad who was abusive and was a drug user, and I mean, and abandoned him and abandoned his mom and all that stuff, and he ended up dying in a dumpster fire, and like he was on drugs and was sleeping in a dumpster and trying to stay warm and lit a fire and like burned, and if you remember that episode, it was just harrowing to listen to but Harley was like I forgive you dad mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of a situation here don't expect anything in return but if you because what we're trying to do is we're trying to get her to move past this yeah. right this isn't about what what is what does he say here um it seems like he'd be fine dying without knowing a thing about his daughter's life okay yeah. that's where he's at it's on her to say, you know what, forgiven, and I'm moving on. Yeah, yeah they don't expect anything in return. I feel like that's like a huge one where if you can manage that, it's not easy, totally not easy because you grow up kind of needing and expecting, especially if it's like how he said um, she wants her dad, right? Yeah. Like that's normal, I think. So like if you can get to the point, and I know this from – Various experiences where if you can just have no expectation or very low expectation or whatever is appropriate for your situation, whatever, like for real though. Yeah. And not the kind of passive aggressive, like, oh, it's I didn't expect. Real. My, yeah, it's for real. And, and you just exactly how like you said, like, it's internal. It's a silent thing. It's your own thing. Yep. Shouldn't be shown out outside here, yep. you know. 
If you can manage that, you can do all these other things. You can build a relationship, a good one too. If you, But if you have expectations, little silent expectations, like, hey, when I tell you about my day or what I'm into or whatever, I need feedback, I need praise, I need like at least some excitement or I need you to care. If you need that, if you have that expectation, not going to work. If you have a certain kind of parent or whatever. But if you're just like, hey, I want to do it because I feel like there's some value in you knowing, regardless of how you react or whatever, if you can truly get there or whatever, you'll just feel way better about not only the, the, um, the experience, but the whole relationship in general. And moving on, they could literally be, just like I said, a bad person. But bro, there's probably a bunch of bad people who are parents, you know, and the kids still at least want some kind of relationship with them. And that makes sense, too. So you can literally do all of this stuff if you have no expectations from that person. That's the key. That is the key, man. Silent forgiveness, which is kind of the same thing, right? Like forgiveness in a way where it's like, hey, I don't expect you to say sorry to me. I don't yeah. expect you to like change who you are yeah. you know, and not be mean to me anymore or not to, you know, whatever. It's like, no, 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 I forgive you. You're you, yeah. do you. And I'm going to, I'm going to try to, try to, how should I say, try to absorb only the good part to you. Mm-hmm. And the rest is just, it's just sort of going to just. That's how it is. Yeah. That's how, as That's we just used to how. say in the islands. <laughs> That's just how. Next question. Next I, question. I'm in law enforcement. I work in a very small office. 12 officers. I have two coworkers who started a relationship in the office, which is fine, but they engaged in misconduct, some of which was criminal in nature that could result in removal from service that I was obligated to report. Word has gotten back as the investigations, certain ones regarding separate allegations, started, and they have vowed retaliation. So he reported them. They found out Mm -hmm. that he reported them. And now they vowed retaliation. Any advice as to properly navigate this minefield and not let the toxic persons affect me professionally? Um, yeah, this is a doozy. And I wonder what that uh, criminal nature of activity that is happening. Like, well, what is that? So that's sort of because there's that's a wide spectrum. You know, is this like they were using the police property to go to the movie you know were they taking a cruiser and do you know like which is which can be considered criminal because they're using fuel they're kind of stealing from the city right you could you could you could call that criminal behavior or are they like you know planting drugs or stealing there's like a whole spectrum of things here so i don't really know who we're dealing with um Here's here's a couple things. This is just my take on it. Number one, do not give up the high ground. In fact, what you're gonna have to do at this point is you have to take the highest ground possible. And by that, I mean impeccable professionalism because they are gonna be looking at you. Their friends that are in league with them are gonna be looking at you. Everyone is gonna be looking at you and looking for an opportunity to take you down. So you have to watch out for that. Uh, th- here's the other thing. If these are threats that quote vow retaliation, that that's you, you, that's not that's not that's not okay. You're not allowed to do that. You got to document those threats. I mean, are you getting text messages? Are you hearing it? Is someone documenting these things? Because if people are threatening you with retaliation, that's against the law, and that that should be you need to report that, document it if you can. Um, number n- number whatever. Watch your back because I don't. You know, you start dealing with people that 
are doing, if they're stupid enough to be vowing retaliation, like there's no telling how stupid they are and what kind of stupid stuff they could try. Are they gonna come to your house? Are they gonna do, I mean, I'm thinking kind of worst case scenario. Are they gonna do something to your family? Are they gonna Are they gonna plant drugs in your police cruiser and call the police dog in? Do it? You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of crazy things that they could do. So you gotta watch your back and you gotta watch your back for a long time. And I don't know what kind of, investigators burned you as a source this is ridiculous by the way um so that's just crazy Uh, so you got to watch your back you got to maintain the high ground you got to report these threats if they're coming your way you got to maintain impeccable professionalism and then you got to let this thing play out and then you got to move on um i don't like it i don't like it this is this whole situation is really i don't like it i don't see how this shakes out uh, especially I don't I, I would need to know more about the dynamics of the 12 other officers right are you the odd man out where everyone's looking at you like a rat mm-hmm. or is everyone looking at you like hey right on they were doing nefarious stuff and they needed to be stopped good job where where is it mm-hmm. I don't know where that is because if I had everyone looking at me like I'm a rat I'm probably bailing I'm probably gonna go find a job somewhere else if, if everyone on my police force is looking at me and they thought these other people were right or they're the kind of people that would back up criminal activity. And, and by the way, let's just, I'm assuming that you're right mm-hmm. because maybe what you reported to them for, maybe it wasn't the right thing to report them for, right? Maybe you reported them for taking the police cruiser to the movies and it's like, hey man, no harm, no foul. What are you getting crazy about? Man. What's wrong with you? Like we all... This is no big deal. Now I'm under investigation. Like, did you, did you act like a rat? And now everyone's pissed at you. So I don't know. Um, Or were they doing stuff that was legitimately bad? And everyone's like, yeah, they were wrong, and they were bad cops, and bad cops need to go away. And you're helping that process, and that's the way the team feels. Then, great. Now you all got to watch each other's back because these. They're, they're vowing retaliation. That's stuff you got to watch out for, mm. right? You're, when people are vowing, vowing retaliation and they're cops and they have guns and they understand the criminal world just by being near it, mm. this is not good. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. It's weird how culture is. Like you, you would think in a vacuum this – this right here is like, well, of course, like you did the right thing and all that stuff. But there's a little bit of wiggle room, like in culture, like kind of how you mentioned where it's like, are you so, okay. When I was young, my dad used to sometimes scold me or us as kids for tattling. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you tattling right now? And I'm tattling to him about something, you know, as a parent, don't you want to know? So, you know, my brother, sister, whatever, doing something wrong. But he could, rat. I know, know, but he would, uh, he would. He was able to recognize, like, okay, are you telling me this to solve an actual problem? Or are you just telling for the sake of telling? Yeah. Out of you know, for some other reason, like jealousy. You know, what, you know what's something. weird is like how the leadership principles apply to this. If you're doing it for your own, for your own good, mm-hmm. then you're a rat. If you're doing it because there's a situation that you're trying to resolve, then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe you're not a rat. You're trying to help. Yeah. And you know, too, because you can because there's those little in between gray areas where it's like, well, technically it's for the greater good. But it's like mm, the greater good this much. Meanwhile, you're going to cause this much of a problem within the team, which that goes against the greater good. You know, so you, 
you can kind of you got to be honest, you know, with that kind of stuff. Like if they're, you know, what I think, you know, what I think was happening. I think they were like hooking up, and they might have hooked up on duty or something like that. Yeah, but would you say that's criminal in nature? I don't uh, that's know. a strong I no word. I, have no I agree with you. That could be it, but I think that would have been like, "Hey, dude, you guys can't be doing that." You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. so technically, I wouldn't call that. Maybe it's a crime. Right. But again, technically, technically, yeah. is that really criminal in nature? In nature. That's that's how you add yeah. the. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm talking trash. I told. I don't know. Yeah, so well, don't, neither don't one of even us know. like give it any weight i'm just saying it just kind of for fun and when i do my little impromptu investigation myself i see this 12 officers i have two co-workers who start a relationship in the office like why'd you say that because he said which is fine you mm-hmm. know why'd you even say that if that had nothing to do with it you know <laughs> them being a re- in a relationship yeah. you know that it just felt like it had something to do with their their transgressions right you know and we all know that the main transgression when you get into a relationship with someone at work you can't start hooking Is up that on really duty. the? I don't think that's the main. Tra- I don't think that's the main trans transgression. In I my, really don't. In my experience, it is. But hey, you know, I'm me, and I, I don't know. I'm thinking that if that happened, it wouldn't have been the you know this criminal nature could result in removal of service. I mean, sure, you get written up or whatever. Like, hey, mm-hmm. dude, yeah. This is why I think it is. It is that because he didn't say which was criminal. You just said criminal in nature. Uh, so that's okay. like saying it's kind of criminal or it's technically criminal, but not really uh, I criminal. I took that as the other way. Like no. when you say something is criminal in nature, like this is criminal activities. Yeah. So I, st- I mean, of course, respectfully, I feel like it's no, you say in nature to sort of give it an ambiguous kind of sprinkle. That's right. what it feels like when you say in nature, you know, like his, if, if I said, Jocko, your, your uh, actions towards me were hostile versus they were hostile in nature. Then it kind of sounds like you're, you're kind of hostile. You know, yeah. maybe you said some hostile words or something like this. So here's where I'm going to go. And I, I just feel like I got to take this a little bit further. So if you're in a leadership position and what you have to do as a leader is you have to explain and everyone has to understand that what the, what the rules are. That's what everyone has to understand. And if they understand what the rules are and then they break the rules, they know what's coming to them. Yeah. And they shouldn't be surprised when you say, oh, yeah, you, that's what happened. You know you can't do that, and here's what's happening. What what happens is people have a hard time kind of laying down the law and explain to people, look, we're not, we're not doing that here. Hey, we're not. We're, hey, listen, at this, at this precinct, we do not use our vehicles for personal work or for personal things. That's mm-hmm. what's happening. If you do that, it's gonna, you're, I'm going to drop the hammer on you. Yeah. But if, you know... Uh, Echo's, you know, I saw Echo at the drive-thru the other night. He had his family in the back. Uh, but we let it slide, and, and people developed this. And then all of a sudden, you just... But but now Echo actually uses his vehicle to go, like, to the next state, and you go get some whatever. You had to pick up some furniture. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're doing... Th- but I didn't stop you the first time. I can't drop the hammer on you. I might right. say, hey, listen, guys. Yeah. I let the, this go a little bit too far. We can't be using no... Pro- I can yeah. say that. Yeah. But I can't just say, hey, Echo, I'm writing you up. I can't do that. Yeah. So what you need to do is you need to be very clear that there's a line that we're not crossing. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, you guys got to run around town with your personal vehicle, with the with your cruiser. And again, I don't even know if this is a rule or not. I'm just saying, you got to do this with your cruiser. I get it, fine. But hey, don't leave city limits unless you're working yeah. with your with your government vehicle. Yeah. And it's like everyone understands that. And then if somebody violates that, you got to tighten them up. You got to do something. Yeah. So you gotta have rules in place. You can't 
decide to put rules in place after infractions have occurred. Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. And when people start, and, and by the way, your team is going to test you. If you don't put rules in place, they're going to start testing. Actually, either way, they're going to test. If you put rules in place, they're going to start brushing up against them to see if they're if you're yeah, real about them. See how, how strong they are. If you don't put rules in place, they're going to start pushing to see where those where your limits are. Yeah. So as they start pushing, sometimes I would do this. Like somebody start pushing them against me, I'd be like, hey, 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 I see what's happening. Yeah. We're, we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah. Like stop. We're not doing that. And if you don't put those rules in place and you don't check people when they start doing things that they shouldn't be doing. It's only going to get worse. Does this mean drop the hammer? No. It means make sure people understand where you stand. Make sure people understand where you stand. And if they understand where you stand, it's going to be no surprise. And and they'll test it out a little bit. You say, I stand here. They'll they'll, they'll walk up and kind of push you a little bit and see if it's true or not. See if you back up. You don't back up then. You don't back up on a push because then the next thing you know, you're getting gang tackled. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what's going on here in terms of all that, right? Yeah. Are there distinct rules? Were the rules that were violated, were they clear? Is the rest of the department sitting there saying, wait a second, now you just got these people in trouble for using their vehicle? We all use our vehicle. What are you doing? Why are you ratting them out? Yeah. Whereas if they were stealing stuff, you know, selling, you know, taking drugs off people and selling it. Like, yeah. hey, we should, we all have a problem with that. Yeah. And 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 as a leader, it's it's there's going to be some gray area, right? There's going to be some gray area. There's there's some rules at your department. If you're a cop, there's some rules at your department that don't make sense. When I was in the SEAL teams, we got rules put on us that didn't make sense sometimes, mm-hmm. and I would have to dis- discern between rules that made sense and rules that didn't make sense. Mm. And sometimes, you know, the rule doesn't make sense, but we're going to follow it. Mm. Occasionally, it's like, hey, this rule doesn't make sense, and we're going to kind of skirt around it. Yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. Do, and when you say Sometimes this, the rule's just stupid, and we're going to outright be like, hey, we're not doing this. Yeah. But, okay, is there a gray area? And this, again, goes back to kind of like the culture of a team versus the boss and, the you know, that whole dynamic mm-hmm. where that's a real thing, even with kids and parents, where it's kind of like – it's, it shouldn't be an absolute division, obviously, mm-hmm. but if you go down the line to complete, complete cohesion, it stops a little bit before that. There is an element of, hey, don't tell mom and dad, let's go do this, yep. let's go do that. Same thing with with the boss, right? Or, or the I don't know, like in law enforcement, I don't know who the, the, the corporate entity yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So there could be stuff that kind of goes on down there that is like, sure, it's against the rules. Sure, it's especially with law enforcement and, and the investigation mm-hmm. as a result of what there's, I would imagine there's a bunch of stuff like that, that it's like, okay, this is just the protocol. You get an investigation, like, you know, I don't know, losing night vision goggles, yeah. you know, yeah. or something like that. So, it, but it could be in that little gray area where you can... Um, you can sort of break rules as long as you don't let it get crazy. You can sort of break rules rules and get away with it. And it's kind of part of the culture to not just go tattle, you know. Mm-hmm. And maybe this, I'm saying this is one of many circumstances, obviously. Yep. What if this guy 
was like, hey, they got into a relationship and he was kind of jealous because he liked the girl or something like this. And so, of course, he reports him yeah, out of jealousy. Yeah. Or something. You know, I'm saying that's an example of, hey, man, now you have a different problem. Different problem. Than, you know, you you reported some criminal activity, you yeah. know, or something like that. that. That's, it's, it's very difficult to give a solid answer here with so many unknowns. Yeah. And that's why I had to kind of keep it general, which is don't give up the high ground. Maintain impeccable professionalism. Report these threats if they're viable threats. That's jacked up. Watch your back. That's what I'm saying. When I used to work at the nightclub, I think I told you this before, where we were doing a, okay, we worked at a nightclub. We were doing a video for the nightclub, Mm -hmm. right? And I was one of the people in the video. This was before I made videos. Mm -hmm. This is when you were in front of the camera. Either way. There's this scene where we had these like martinis, me and this girl. Uh-huh. Scene. scene. I like yeah, this. Yeah. <laughs> You're full on so, um, so we, you know, take one, take two, whatever. So we go, we have to go get our martinis, right? So usually, depending on the bartender, like they'll just make, oh yeah, some freaking like a little mm-hmm. whatever thing of vodka, right? And we're all having fun, so whatever, right? Pour the real martini. But the the bartender we had, Mike, cool guy, um, he would he just gave us water with a little bit of coloring in it mm-hmm. and everyone well the people who were in the video the people who were not in the video they were like oh that's so whack it's like towing the company line you know just give us the real vodka we're all having fun here and then me i didn't really care especially when he explained it to me he's like it's not my vodka to give away you know it's not like he's charging us for the vodka or whatever he's like it's just not mine it belongs to the owner or whatever so i was like no that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. like it's irrefutable you know but there's that little gray area. Like I said, hey, we're all, it's the culture. You know, we're all, we all work for the bar. You know, we get paid a lot of us minimum wage, you know, and we get tips or whatever. And so, man, hook a brother up, you know, <laughs> you over here siding with the owner. We're over here trying to freaking have some fun. You know what I'm saying? Either way, they're not going to miss that little, like, two shots of vodka for damn sure. See what I'm saying? I got you, bro. Anyway, you got to watch out for that kind of stuff, too. Definitely. <laughs> Next question. How do you keep from taking ownership of stu- ownership of stuff outside your control? How do you identify what you can control and what you can't control? How do you gain experience and at expanding your control? Has default aggression ever backfired for you? Uh, yeah, so if you can influence it, if you can have influence on something, then take ownership of it. But that doesn't mean go and step on toes, right? So I get a, I get an overall vibe from this question, which I'll get to. If you can influence it, then influence it. But that's different than controlling things. There's a lot of use of the word control here. So we're not looking to control things. We're looking to influence them in a positive way. And by the way, if I've got a team of 20 people and what I'm going to do is help the whole team I don't need to control it. I need to influence it and it will naturally move in the right direction. How do I expand my control? Or how do I gain experience at expanding my control? You wanna know how I expand my control? Because I let go of it. Because I'm not trying to control everything. When you're trying to control stuff, when you're trying to control everything, everyone sees that. You have less influence because people are thinking you're trying to make things happen. It's like, no, if you wanna expand your control, build relationships. Let go of control. Try, you know, let someone else take the lead on something. And then they're more influential by you, influenceable by you. So it takes a lot of confidence to 
let go of control. And when you have confidence, you end up with more control. There's a really crazy dichotomy there. All right, has default aggressive ever backfired when I was young? Of course it has. Of course I have. It has. And that's one of the things, especially the reason that I noticed the original, I think the, being aggressive was the original dichotomy in my head. Mm. And it was because when I started working with the young SEAL leaders, I would tell them like, hey, you gotta be aggressive and they'd go freaking level 12 berserker mode. Mm. And I realized, oh, you can be too aggressive. Mm. And then I said, oh, you know what? You can, you can micromanage. Mm. You can be too passive. You know, you can, I've, that's when I realized there was a dichotomy yeah. in all these leaderships, in all these leadership skills and all these leadership principles and all these leadership traits. So I realized that you can be too aggressive and that applies to everything. You can step on people's toes. You can take too much risk. You can offend people. And so maybe for you, question asker, maybe for you, instead of thinking default aggressive, you think a bias for action. And then this comes to the fact of why do I use the term default aggressive? Because because a lot of people hear that term, especially someone that's already aggressive, and that's carte blanche for them to get nuts and start freaking running all, taking control of everything, and they think they're just doing what the right thing to do is taking ownership and running things and being default aggressive. And instead, all they're doing is creating bad relationships, creating animosity amongst their team, and they look like a micromanager and an egomaniac. That's what you look like, which is all freaking horrible, 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 and horrible. So the, the reason that I still use the term default aggressive instead of using something a little more passive like bias for action which is what the marine corps says or even default action meaning hey we're leaning towards taking action Mm -hmm. the reason is because when you're a young seal leader or you're in a very stressful combat situation or any type of a stressful situation where there's a lot at stake your default mode is going to be to not do anything or I should say oftentimes people's default mode is to freeze or to not do anything or not want to take any risk or not take, not letting, not make anything happen because they're not sure about what to do. Mm. And so that's a large tendency to have to overcome. And you can't overcome all that hesitation by just a bias for action. That's not strong enough. You need to overcome all that hesitation by default aggressive. So I tell these young people, if there's something going wrong, you gotta get default aggressive and fix it. That's what you need to do. And so that's what I want going through, through their mind because when they're pinned down and they're taking fire from a building and, and no one can move, for them to have a bias for action isn't strong enough to get their ass up and start making some shit happen. Mm. So I'd be like, freaking get default aggressive. And they'd be like, roger that. And they'd go freaking flank them. Mm. So that's where it comes from. But for like an individual like this, probably an already default aggressive human, he doesn't need to be hear that. Because he's going already level level seventeen berserker mode, trying to take ownership of everything, and 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 that's not good. Just the questions, like, so so. There's a there's a section that I wrote in leadership strategy and tactics. It's called "Don't Go Overboard, Rambo," and this is for you. This is for you. Don't go overboard. Don't feel like you need to step in and step up and step on everything. Instead, focus on taking a step back, looking around, influencing things, not being front and center of every situation. That's what you should focus on. And if you do that, you'll end up 
in a strategic way, long term, not right now, but in the long in the long term, you will end up with much more influence and much more control over what is happening. Be careful, Rambo. When, the, when, when I first heard default aggressive, I, I feel like it landed perfectly, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, because the word default, kind of like that's just the this, this current setting. Right. That you're you can at, override it if you have to. Yes, exactly. Yep. You right. can say, you know what? I'm default aggressive, but I need to hold, hold what I got right now. Yep. Yeah. And you're probably not going to like this. But so when I started applying it, this is where it would show itself the most. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is, seems random now that I'm thinking about it. But okay. You know when you're at the restaurant? Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, everyone's kind of done. And then maybe your kid or your wife or whatever has like leftovers, mm-hmm. you know, and they want to bring it home. And they bring the freaking what do you box. Call the box. Yeah, to go box. box. Yeah, yeah. So who's going to. I gonna, like that. That was a vocab challenge for yeah. you. <laughs> so, you know, now you got to. Who's going to put the food in the in the to go box? You know, it's kind of a pain in the ass. You know, do you have to separate? You got to do it carefully, whatever. Like, how, what do you do? You know, does mm. the waiter do it? Like, you know, it's like this thing. Bro, so this you, is not a thing for me. But I know, I know. But and I understand. I understand it is hey, for you. Okay, you're continue. a Navy SEAL, bro. Yeah. I'm not. So, okay. you know, I'm over here contemplating these things when I see the to- to-go box land on the table. So I'm like, shoot. But now, once I learn the default aggressive, I, I say, oh, thank you. Oh. I grab the to-go box from the waiter. Boom. I grab my wife's plate. plate. Boom. I make that happen. See what I'm saying? Default aggressive. But, okay, look. I know. A, a moderate example. Mm-hmm. Very moderate example of default. But the mindset is still across the board the same thing. And you know who I'd freaking get that from 100% as a default aggressive person is JP Dinell. Mm-hmm. So you ask him, like, if we if you got some chairs to move and if we're, th- we're all sitting there and we're like, shoot, should these? I feel like these chairs should be over there. JP's already grabbing chairs. He's like, 100%. we're making this kind of stuff happen. You know? That's why when JP tells that story about me telling him to put JP on his helmet in yeah. bold letters so I knew where he, where he was, that's yeah. why. Because yeah. I knew I could say, JP, take the platoon over there and he'd make it happen. Yeah. He would make it happen. That's 100%. You are accurate. You, and here's, here's how you can even prove it to yourself about JP himself. Text JP and be like, JP, what's up, man? Like, or oh, how's it going or something? Just that. He'll he'll text back. He'll be like, oh, good, whatever. What do we need? What are we doing? Like, yeah. kind of like, hey, I'm standing by to take some action right now. That's yeah, just his setting that he's action. on, you know? So, it's, yeah, yeah, I always, I, I feel like when, when that's, to me, that's the perfect yep. way to put it. Default. And yet, okay. he doesn't step on people's toes. Yeah. He doesn't do things that are out of line. He doesn't offend people. He's default aggressive. In a perfectly balanced way. He nailed it for sure. So I think this guy is probably default aggressive in an overly aggressive way. And it's going to end up hurting you and you're going to have less control, less influence, and it's going to be bad. So be careful. careful. Read the dichotomy of leadership. Read leadership strategy and tactics to get yourself a little bit more balanced. Last question. I am a homeschool mom of three kids, ages six, three, and two. And all big fans of the way of the word kid and my kid and the dragons, by the way, planning on a, uh, planning to homeschool for the duration of their education. What specific actions would you take or did you take to raise kids with strong leadership qualities? If you're raising young kids in today's political and cultural climate, is there anything you would change? Um, so what we want to do with our kids, it just like what we want to do with anyone that we are in charge of is we want to give them responsibility. 
we don't want to give them too much responsibility or responsible make them responsible for things that they are not capable of handling. Mm-hmm. But if they can handle it, give it to them. If it's a little bit more than they can handle, a little bit, occasionally give that to them. Mm-hmm. We don't want it. We don't want them set up for failure all the time. We want them to win most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not quite like a working dog. A working dog always wins. Mm-hmm. A working dog beats every single person in training that they ever go up against. So they, when they, when you see a working dog attacking a person that's got a machete in one hand and a gun in the other, that working dog thinks 100% it's going to win. Mm. And it's not. It's going to get hacked up and shot, but it's going <laughs> to pause the freaking guy long enough that mm. the SWAT team can get in position or whatever. Mm. So, But it thinks it's going to win. Mm. So we want to do that a lot with our kids and with our subordinates is we want, to, we want them to think they're going to win, but occasionally we want them to realize that's how we're keeping them humble, right? Mm. And that's also how we're learning them. Or teaching them is is we're we're pushing pushing them outside their comfort zone occasionally, so that's important. Yes, sir. Uh, build relationships with your kids, have connections with your kids, and this doesn't mean that you build relate. You we don't build relationships with our kids via ice cream. Mm. Right, that doesn't help. Occasionally, oh yeah, you know if you want to take one of your kids hey, let's go get some ice cream because they did good on the run or whatever, and it's a reward and it's a thing, cool, that's fine. But I'm not saying you build a relationship just by everything's, uh, you know, everything is rewarding all the time. And what's interesting is the same question I get, like how do I build a relationship with, you know, my coworker Echo, we just started working together, how do I build a relationship with him? Oh, well, what do you guys do? Oh, we're construction workers or we're manufacturers or whatever we do, guess what? We work together to solve problems. That's how we build a relationship. Mm. And I take some stuff off of his plate and I cover and move for him and I listen to what he has to say and I allow him to influence me. And as we do that, we build a relationship. Well, guess what you can do in your house? Hey, child, what do you want for dinner? Six-year-old, okay. You wanna have whatever. Uh, uh, You wanna have hamburgers. Okay, great. You make the hamburger patties. I'll start getting the buns out. So we're now we're working together as a team and we have some fun and we drop a hamburger patty and we gotta wash it off and then you know, oh uh, you're gonna eat the water you want. you know, you're just having fun. But yeah. you do that, you build relationships by doing things together. So do things together. That's how you build relationships. Uh, so I would say that's important. The political and cultural climate, um, I think what you do is again, that's the same thing, right? We, we wanna make sure that people understand that they're responsible for what's happening in their life. And as we, as we, if we teach that to them, the political and cultural climate will make sense. Because they'll say, oh, oh, I, I, I'm responsible for what's going on in my world. Okay, and that means other people should be taking responsibility for what's going on in their world. And guess what, there's some people that have a hard time. And if we can, we should help those people out that are having a hard time. But there's some people that just don't wanna do any work and well, they don't get, I'm not gonna help someone that doesn't wanna help themselves. So these are the kind of things that people will figure out. Um, here's another thing, try lots of different things. Sports, music, art, outdoors, survival, building fires, building tree forts, building fences, handyman, plumbing, electrical, masonry, landscaping, hunting, fishing, more sports, do a bunch of different stuff. Team sports, right? So you gotta work with other kids. Team events. Again, you build a fence, that's a team event. That's a team event, we gotta work together. 
So do all those different things with your kids and it'll make them more capable. It'll make them understand the world and they're gonna end up in a much better spot than if you don't ever make them take responsibility, that if you don't have a good relationship with them and they're not uh, good at working with other people and they have no skills. I just learned something right now. Which part? Actually, I, I learned more depth in something that I kind of knew or realized, whatever. The the doing things together, mm-hmm. like doing things together. And this goes like good and bad. You know how like like you know how you form a relationship with someone, a friend, or something like that. When you suffer together and you and rejoice mm-hmm. together and you do the whole yep. spectrum, yep. that's when you're gonna have like a relationship. Yep. You know, two days at football, right? Yeah, we're all suffering together. Yeah, and then if you win games and lose games together, yep. like yep. it builds relationship, or whatever. So, and that's really why you know, like, okay, I have a twin brother. We grew up together mm-hmm. straight even before we were born technically freaking mm-hmm. together you see what I'm saying <laughs> but we grew up together so everything all the ups all the downs all the sideways all everything we did together you know and and it shows even now you know he lives down the road from me still mm-hmm. as a overgrown man whatever <laughs> the but okay so the kids or whatever so you know how um you said like making the hamburgers together like yep. there's that kind of stuff like freaking awesome but then you said something else or before that you said something else you said um ice cream getting yep. ice cream or whatever right it's like, it's true, huh? Because I, I try to avoid the whole ice cream as a reward or mm-hmm. junk food as a reward thing, mm-hmm. but it flips to being kind of the perfect reward if you do it together in a way. Mm-hmm. And you'll say this in passing when I'll be like, oh, yeah, I freaking slid off the path and pounded some cupcakes, you know, with the kids at the birthday. And you're like, no, that's relationship building, whatever you mm-hmm. say. You know, mm-hmm. you always say that. So I'm like, ha ha, yeah, that's funny, you know. But in a way, that's that's huge. That's a huge critical part. If you do it with them, don't just throw ice cream at it, at the kid yep. and be like, oh, here's your reward, and then walk away. It's not that. It's not that at all. In fact, that's the opposite. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, food, and I don't know, did you mention girls or boys here? But like, food can get can be crazy. And the reason I, I with girls especially, girls and the body, uh, the body image and all that. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you see kids that have real, like, horrible eating disorders, mm-hmm. and that is really horrifying. So if you start building this paranoid relationship with food for them at a young age, that may turn into something that you don't, that's, that's awful. Yeah, that so to, to be saying, like, you know, oh, there's too many carbs in that. Right yeah, or yeah. whatever, and yeah. you start really focusing on that instead of saying, "Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, it's we're at a, we're at a birthday party. Let's, you know, right. all these cupcakes are good. It's okay. We don't want them to have a healthy relationship with food, yeah, because there's there's uh, plenty of influences out there that are going to push them towards having an unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah. And I will say that to me is especially with girls. I'm sure it can happen with boys too, but I think it's majority of the time happens with girls. And uh, it's really, really scary. Really, really scary stuff. Oh yeah, I, I saw I saw a, a girl the other day, and um, clearly, clearly she had you know some kind of really horrible eating disorder, and and it's just so awful to see. And it's one of those things where, you know, they they, they draw like the pictures of like the really skinny girl looking in a mirror, and she right. sees herself as all fat. Yeah. And it's just so horrible that you, it's so that no one can break them out of what they see, yeah. right? 
You know the thing that I've talked about a thousand times, which is like when you're when someone's depressed, there's like a cloud around their head, yeah. and everybody can see that. Hey, just move a little bit more, and you're going to be into the clear skies. Yeah. And that's that thing happens with the uh, with the eating disorders too, or yeah. it just any part of psychology where it's one person's own perception, and no one can people's parents can't convince them like, hey, you 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 look great, you you know you 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 you're too skinny, yeah. you should eat more. They can't get convinced, yeah. and I mean, can you imagine how horrible that is? Yeah. You got a you got a kid that's n- that's starving themselves, yeah. and they can't see it. Yeah. So I think it's important that you don't go level seven extreme with you know the food stuff, and cre- you know it's like in Europe. You know in Europe they drink alcohol, like their whole lives, right? Yeah. Like my wife's from England. She was drinking wine at the dinner table when she was like 13, 14 years old. Oh, yeah. And and they have a healthier, I think, oftentimes they have a healthier relationship. Like, oh, like what does a person do when they turn 21 in America? They're gonna get freaking throwing up, drunk, blackout, yeah. whatever. And they're gonna do that for like six months. Yeah. In at least it with my wife, it was like, oh, yeah, like that's, oh yeah, well, right. yeah. you know, a little bit more a better relationship, I would say, with it. Yeah, and a lot of times that comes from, uh, you know, there's a bunch of different reasons, obviously, but a lot of times that comes from, like, the shame, like, the culture and, sh- and shame. So if you're a kid drinking, like, in America, right, you're a 13-year-old kid drinking beer or something, you're like, oh, that's bad. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what is a delinquent kid? You know, so there's shame in there, right? So once, or, so you're, you know, there's ever sometimes, obviously. Um, with the eating disorders, a lot of times there will be shame in there where it's like, oh, you're eating that cupcake, you're going to be fat or all this stuff. There's usually shame involved. So later on as a kid develops, it's like they're so ashamed. Yeah. And meanwhile, you know, they'll be like, hey, you're getting fat, even though technically they're not fat. So they essentially got externally convinced that they're fat yeah. and now it's internal. So now no matter what, it's I'm fat. I'm looking at myself, I'm fat. I'm see, I see it right now. It, yeah. it already got established to them, you know? Yeah. So you get that kind of stuff for sure. And the thing is, yeah, that's absolutely right. But where it can be beneficial and, in fact, like really constructive. By the way, Echo and I are not psychologists. No, and sir. This is just like our own observation. So if you got uh, kids with those sort of situations going on, man, go get a professional and and get some help, man, because that's a tough thing to navigate. I can't even. Oh, I, yeah. It's so hard to understand so hard to understand and they say guys have some guys will that's why guys will do like massive amounts of steroids yeah. and because they every time they look in the mirror they see you know skinny weak guy yeah. and they want to be big strong guy yeah so. bigorexia and then there's manorexia too what is it what is the difference those are obviously it? slang terms manorexia is like you they want to be thin so they always want to be oh thin. got yeah. it like slim jeans i don't know that that manorexia and then there's bigorexia is where the guy like you know bodybuilders like yeah i can never get big enough yeah. i'm so small you mean well they're huge yeah that's yeah. B- and both all those are under the category of body dys- dysmorphia yeah, yeah meaning i can't tell what i look like yeah horrible sorry i cut you true. off you were gonna say something about food Oh yeah, yeah. About um, building reward, relationships. Yeah, relationships. It's, it's the it's basically the reward part if you do it with them. Like he, so I know I don't know. It's a meme, maybe like a meme, maybe like a thing where you know how like okay, the the rich dad always mm. working or whatever, and to to help facilitate the relationship with the son, he just like gives them money, yeah. right? And that's it. And the son usually builds all this resentment, and he just he th- thinks he can buy my love, all this stuff, right? I don't know anyone like that, but I'm just saying I've heard that before. <laughs> Um, I've never known anyone like that, but I've seen the meme. Okay. Uh, you know, movies, I don't know, whatever. But nonetheless, it seems like, okay, I, I dig it. That makes sense, I guess. 
So instead of throwing money at the kid or throwing, rewarding him with a lollipop, tell him, go, go play. If you go shopping with the kid and shop together, so you guys are going shopping together, if you want to use money anyway, mm-hmm. or if you go eat frozen yogurt at the mm-hmm. spot, and here, you try some of mine, try this one, and let me try yours. Well, that's pretty good. You know, like mm-hmm. kind of interact and do it together so you guys can kind of, you know, embark on the little adventure, little thing together. Yeah. That's going to be the one. Of course, not every day. You're not pounding frozen no. yogurt and ice cream all day every day. but I'm, Yeah. Check. But it goes for the hard stuff too, you know? And the making dinner part, that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Make, make the yeah. rice. Yeah, I'll show you how. Rice, yeah. yeah. It's good. They feel all proud too. There you go. You and you're so. making them more capable. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, with that, thank you for joining us. Thank you for supporting the cause. If you need any supplements, go to jockofuel.com. If you need any gear, go to originusa.com or go to jockostore.com if you want to represent while you're on the path, as Echo Charles likes to say. Oh, yeah. Speaking of kids, got some kids' books, got some leadership books. Got a leadership consulting company, echelonfront.com, if you want some of that. On the interwebs, Echo is at Echo Charles. I am at Jocko Willink, and thank you. Thank you, really, for your support here. This has allowed us to build this platform that we may use if we need to. And other than that, we are standing by to continue to drive forward. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. Out. Oh.